0: You're listening to Packers Talk Network. PackersTalk.com. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed, authentic tickets from TheTicketKing.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. at PackersTalk.com slash tickets. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, Gil Martin. My co-host is my good friend, Sean Tian In addition to this show, I host Locked On NHL. Sean was a TV sportscaster in Minnesota. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Sean, uh, a, a, a difficult ending to essentially what was a surprisingly Good season for the Green Bay Packers.
1: Promising, promising year for sure. The Packers were hot and they just ran into the cream of the crop and they didn't play a full four quarters at the worst time of the year, Gil. You had a 21-14 lead going into the fourth quarter. Your quarterback who's been on a hot streak throws a couple interceptions. Uh, you know, the quarterback on the other side, Brock Purdy, he should have thrown four or five interceptions that game. You couldn't make him. You couldn't make him regret throwing a ball, including a, a, what should have been a pick-six, again, for Darnell Savage early in that game. A lot of missed opportunities, Gil. And the way I saw it, this is the youngest team in football, and they just had a hell of a learning experience in that loss on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there is one thing that in the NFL you have to learn how to win. You know, you could be a great Quarterback. I'll even take it back to Aaron Rodgers' first season as starter in 2008. Rodgers was putting up amazing stas- statistical numbers, but the team went six and ten, and they went one and seven in one score games. And the mm-hmm. win was the first game that that uh, you know was a one score game all season. So he would get them close, and he would move the ball, but learning how to win is a step beyond just learning how to play well. And I think on Saturday, we saw a Packers team that played well, but didn't quite know how to finish. And
1: I was at the game on Saturday, Gil. Uh, I mentioned that on Thursday last week, or on Friday when it was released on Spotify and all the the podcasting partners that we broadcast on. Uh, But I was there. I was there with my brother, a good friend of ours too, since we were uh, children, and we were right by the Packer tunnel. We had some really great seats. And the look of dejection on the faces after the game was really sad. But what my brother and I and what my buddy and I were saying to all those Packers who were walking, out that, walking down that tunnel, we said, keep your heads high. You're going to be back. You are going to be back. And, and there are some players who obviously, and if you saw on TV too, if you saw someone wearing a number 74 Elton Jenkins jersey by the Packer tunnel, that was me. So, <laughs> so I, that's what I told every single player I could walking into that tunnel. Keep your head high. We are going to be back. It, it, this is only the beginning. Uh, a lot of players too looking up being like, yep, yeah, there were, uh, Tucker Kraft was one where it's like, he said, you're damn right. We're going to be back. Uh, and it just, it's just something too, where it's like it's there's so much promise with this team, and if you look side by side comparing Jordan Love's first year to Aaron Rodgers' first year, Jordan Love's way ahead of where Aaron Rodgers was in that first year as a starter, and that is promising, Gil. That's so promising.
0: It, it is, and and he also had a, a much more inexperienced crew to work with. I mean, if you recall, you know Greg Jennings uh, was on that roster in 2008.
1: Donald
0: uh, Driver, James Jones. Right, Jones, Driver. You had so many experienced targets uh, that Rodgers was throwing to. So, look, uh, having a better first season than Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean he will be a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's let Jordan Love be Jordan Love, but at the same time, it's also very promising. And the the other thing for me is not just about Jordan Love, but really about the whole team, to compare the month of October to the month of January. Uh, I mean, first of all, the October Packers don't even make the playoffs, but nope. if they're facing the 49ers in Santa Clara, that game is not 24-21 if the team that was playing in October was on the field.
1: And so much of the NFL is not who you play, it's when you play them. You talk about October Packers, that was possibly top five pick-worthy yeah. level. You know that, That's how bad the Packers were there. And just to see them turn it around so fast, and uh, someone said it best. I, I can't remember who said on Twitter, said, can we rebuild every year? Because this year was so much fun, remember that, where it, there was this – we expected so much worse, we expected not a lot of wins. And to get in the playoffs and to actually – have the number one team in the NFC on the ropes and not be able to finish. It's just, it's just so critical. And, and the Packers too, defensively, they had a really good game plan against Christian McCaffrey. He had that 139 yard touchdown run, but outside of that, only 16 carries for 59 yards. He had seven catches for 30 yards. It was a good game plan against Christian McCaffrey. And that, I felt like that was a good thing, but Kyle Shanahan too, you, his teams usually are not good playing from behind as well, yet, his two wins when his teams are trailing by three or more points going into the fourth quarter his two wins in his career have both come against the Packers and the plows it's so infuriating me where that is just the biggest monkey on the back when it comes to the Green Bay Packers is just not being able to get over the San Francisco 49ers doesn't matter if it's Rodgers doesn't matter if it's Jordan Love Brett Favre was able to beat them quite a bit so I'm not going to go there but yeah, it's but, just, it just—it doesn't matter. They just—it's just always a struggle against them, no matter well, what. Well,
0: okay, but Brett Favre had the Dallas Cowboys, who he had trouble getting past. That's true. So that's true. You know, and yet you remember the 1995 Packers in the playoffs beating San Francisco, upsetting them in uh, at what was then Candlestick Park, uh, and that really set the tone for 1996. So I I am hoping that beating. Dallas in Dallas and then coming oh so close to beating San Francisco. And I, I have uh we'll talk more about our predictions, but uh you know, the the forty niners again, they were outplayed for most of the game, but yes, they, they were. knew how to win when the game was on the line. And the Packers just didn't know how to do that just yet. And that's where
1: that Packer youth plays a big factor where They don't know how to, they, they, they're just not quite there yet. And that just, that takes, that takes reps. That takes actual games to learn from those situations. Uh, San Francisco knows how to do it. They know how to finish, like you said. Uh, another, another point I want to bring up too. Aaron Jones, he proved he needs to be back next year, man. That guy is everything to the Green Bay Packers. And we'll talk about that more in just a bit, uh, coming up here on this episode of No Huddle. But Aaron Jones is just so important and, uh, and I, I spoke to you before we start hit the record button on recording this episode, where John Coon uh, he does the he does the radio sideline announcing for the Packers on uh, on the Packers flagship broadcast, and we talked to him a little bit before the game and after the game. And after the game, uh, John Coon was just like, man. Before the game, John Coon thought the Packers were going to win. He said, "We're going to win this game. We're going to go to the NFC Championship." But then after, he's like, man. We we're more physical than we just we couldn't take advantage when when the opportunities were there and we just couldn't finish. And and that's a big bummer. But uh, another bummer kind of for the guy who used to be in charge of the defense. That's Joe Barry. Uh, he got canned by the Green Bay Packers uh, this week as defensive coordinator. So the Packers, they're looking for a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Gil, first, before we go into some possible candidates, what are your thoughts on this move that was made by Matt LaFleur?
0: I think it was the right move. I, I would have done it last year, quite honestly, after the season ended, and I said so on this show at that time. But, look, uh I, the one thing that I have to say, the philosophy of the Joe Barry defense was just too reactionary. Yep. They would react, they would wait for you to make a mistake instead of causing you to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. and. The, the, the difference in attitude typically between a defensive player and an offensive player in the NFL or really at any level in football is that a defensive player wants to be more aggressive and, yep. and hit you and make you fear him and make you make a mistake. And the Joe Barry defense didn't make you do things. It prevented you hopefully from doing really good things and hoped you would make a mistake. But. The lack of aggression, the predictability too often. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Joe Barry was a complete disaster. Because if you look at the last two regular season games and the two playoff games, the defense did enough to win all four of those games, and they did win three of them. But it just, there weren't enough big plays. There wasn't enough of an, the attitude wasn't right. And I think the players had a negative reaction to the idea of hanging back and, and you know, not being aggressive, not making the offense react to them, but just to react to the offense and hope that they don't make a big play. So, uh, I, I mean, Joe Barry is okay. He's not incompetent. He's just not great. And if you want to take that next step for this organization, you need better than OK. And for me, you look at a coach and it's like a chef. You know, you're given these ingredients. What can you make with them? Mm-hmm. And I always had the feeling that, you know, Joe Barry was given steaks and made hamburgers yeah. uh, rather than the other way around. And, you know, again, it just wasn't good enough to get this team to the next level.
1: And I've said it too, where I agree with you fully Gil, where he had the keys to the Ferrari and he left it covered up in the garage. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, he, instead of taking it out and letting it roll, letting it rip, left it covered up just because it's like, Hey, it's safe there. It's, it's not going anywhere. It's still in pristine condition. We're going to make sure it's okay. And I, I feel like it's, yeah, you could say, Hey, eight first round picks on that defense first. It doesn't matter the title. These guys are actually good players. Like they have good talent on every level of the defense. And You got to find a coach that can bring the most out of that. I agree with you. Where you could be aggressive with this kind of defense, with the athletes on that side of the ball, you could try new things. You could be unpredictable. Yeah, uh, you know, there's just so many things you can do with this defense. I felt like it was as vanilla as it got over and over. Uh, The next guy they need to find, and this is interesting though, where there was a report though that came out after he got fired that Barry may remain with the Packers in some kind of fashion. So, which is, I don't think he's going to be a D coordinator anywhere else, but as a position coach, may not be a bad idea as a position linebacker coach or something, because players do have been outspoken where they said, hey, you know, Joe Barry's a likable guy. Like, we like him, yeah. but he's just, I don't think he's just equipped to be an NFL D coordinator.
0: No, and and look, if he's a special defensive advisor, or he becomes the linebacker's coach, or whatever the heck he's going to be, I have no problem with that. He's under contract for next year. You might as well let him earn the money. Yeah. But- uh, you know, I don't think he's a bad guy. Like you said, everybody seems to think he's very likable. Uh, he, he works hard. I don't deny that. Uh, it, it just is, I, I guess I'll sum it up this way. You know, when we, we've done all year for 17 games and two playoff games, you're previewing the game. And at different times against different teams, we have said, how are the Packers going to handle, you know, Brian Flores' defense? How are they going to handle, You know, uh, you know, so and so's defense because it's aggressive or it does this unusual thing. I don't think any NFL head coach or offensive coordinator was asking himself, Oh no, how do we handle Joe Barry's defense? I don't think that ever happened. And that is an indictment of just, you know, he's not good enough.
1: And and you, you know that with Matt LaFleur, he's he's what got six years in the uh, five years in the books he's going into his six years the Packers head coach this is going to be his third D coordinator he needs to get this one right because there's talent on that side of the ball that's locked up for a while too and if Matt LaFleur doesn't get the next D coordinator right his job may be on the line like it or not and and I love what Matt LaFleur has done with Jordan Love and the young offense they've grown so much but you're in charge of the whole team. And if you can't get the next D coordinator right, it's going to be a problem. And Matt LaFleur may be in talks of being dismissed. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. I really like Matt LaFleur. I think he's a great coach, but it, that is the reality of the NFL where it's, it, this is going to be, if this is a pattern, it's like, Hey, we got to get, we got to get some new thinking in there. But, uh, some top candidates though, it seems like on paper, uh, Cowboys defensive back coach, former Packer Al Harris. Uh, forward Wisconsin Badgers defensive coordinator Jim Leonard, he reportedly turned down the job in 2021 after Mike Pettin was let go after losing in the NFC Championship to Tampa. Uh, most recently, Panthers defensive coordinator Egero Ivero is another candidate. He worked with the Rams. He interviewed for the coordinator job in 2021 as well, and Matt LaFleur chose Joe Barry over Ivero. Uh, some other guys, uh free agent defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale previously with the Giants, but seemed to be that he butted heads with Brian Dable there. So it could be a possible issue, but was a very good D coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens as well. A lot of names that are potential, Gil. Uh, who's the guy that you may want to see Matt LaFleur bring as the next D coordinator in Green Bay?
0: I would still go with Leonard if they could get him. Uh, I, I just think he would add a little juice to this defense. Uh, he turned them down a couple of years or three years ago. Whether he'd be more interested now remains to be seen. But uh, I would like to see him get that opportunity. But, you know, to me, th- there's just a couple of things that I, I'm looking at more than a specific name at this point. I don't want someone who's going to leave after one year to become a head coach somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, I want a little continuity to be established. Uh, number one, and I don't want somebody who's going to run a version of the Vic Fangio defense just because mm-hmm. it just seems to have been caught up to by offensive coordinators. Yes, it has. This is a chess match. You know, this is move and counter move. And right now, if you're still running the Vic Fangio defense, you're five or six years out of date. So – and, and – You know, and thankfully, Vic Fangio signed somewhere else this week. Yes, he did. Signed with the Eagles. He himself is not a candidate. But I I would like something. You know, I don't want to see them running that same defense or a variation of it. So those are the criteria that I'm looking for. And, now yeah, one other thing I would prefer not to bring in a former head coach, mostly because those people don't stay as defensive coordinators they they're always looking for that next jumping off point uh for another head coaching job or or they'll kind of possibly challenge Matt LaFleur's authority on a certain level so those are the criteria I'm looking for I I like Leonard I think he would be a good addition Harris obviously has a sentimental uh, uh you know value for what he did for mm-hmm. the Packers and he learned from some very good defensive coaches and coordinators but he's never done it himself, so that's a little bit more of a gamble. Yeah. Uh, he, that's one of those things where I get the feeling it'll either work spectacularly or fail spectacularly, and I'm not sure if uh, Matt LaFleur is willing to take that chance. For me, I just want a coordinator
1: who is more situationally aware of uh, the certain the time left in the game, you know uh, how many possessions you have to play with, all that stuff, when to be aggressive, when to hold back you need someone who's better in situational awareness, and that was a big issue with Joe Barry with me, where he San Francisco was able to run their five minute offense in that game on Saturday in that playoff game, and the Packers were left with just a little more than a minute to either tie or take the lead uh that's not enough time, even with all your timeouts that's not enough time. Uh, just be aggressive or just let them get the big play. Who cares? You know, get the ball back. That's what you want. You want to get the ball back at that point. um uh, the only concern with Jim Leonard with me is first of all, he turned down that Packer job and that's something where a lot of people I've heard where they're just like, Hey, you turned down, you turned us down. Screw you. Like we're moving on. But Jim Leonard in his defense though, Defensive coordinators, high level D coordinators at the college level get paid a hell of a lot more money than they do at the NFL. It's weird, but it's legit, that's legit the business of college football. He was, he would have taken a massive pay cut if he would have became the Packer D coordinator. Plus, at the time too, it looked like Paul Chris was possibly at the end of being a head coach for the Wisconsin Badgers. Jim Leonard looked like he was going to be the next in line as the head coach, but then, Chris McIntosh, the athletic director, went a completely different direction. So things changed for Jim Leonard. So now he's available. He was a consultant for Brett Bielema for Illinois this year, but he was working from home. He's still living in Wisconsin. Jim Leonard's a possibility. Only concern though, outside of all that I have, is that he learned from Mike Pettin. And Mike Pettin was very frustrating for Packer fans to have as the defensive coordinator. That is my only concern. I think he's going to be a little different. There'll be a little, there'll be a little bit of different variation, but His roots are a Mike Patton defense, and that's, that concerns me, Dill.
0: Yeah, no, it it would concern me as well. I I think he sort of overcomes some of those things at the college level, but the NFL is a whole different animal in a lot of ways. And look, there's no perfect candidate, and, uh, we're gonna see where Matt LaFleur goes with it. I, I just hope, you know, he has a tendency to, to hire his friends. And the people he's to Go worth. outside, go away from it. Go yes. away from that. Yes, exactly. Uh, bring in the best candidate, not the, the one you know the best, would yeah. be what I would say.
1: And, and I would say, too, For and I didn't even mention who I want as D coordinator. So, Baltimore is the defense that I think the Packers could be like. There's a lot of similar traits and features with all the players on Baltimore's defense compared to Green Bay's, and I feel like Baltimore's just better. Their D coordinator is Mike McDonald. He's not going anywhere. If anything, he may be a head coach pretty soon. But that's what happens with good coordinators. They become coaches eventually. Uh, if you ask – for me, it's like if I'm the Packers, man, I'm calling one of the guys on his staff to possibly be D coordinator. See, you know, ask around, and be like, hey, is this guy ready to be a coordinator? Uh, Ravens associate head coach Anthony Weaver, who used to play in the NFL, that could be a legit candidate as well for the Packers. But Mike McDonald also came from the University of Michigan. And the Michigan defensive coordinator Jesse Minter is very impressive, and yes. that's that's the guy I want. If the, and I feel like that guy is ready for the NFL. His defense—they allowed the fewest points to opponents this year in college football, nine and a half a game. They were the sixth best rushing defense in the country, second best passing defense in the country, second total defense in the country. Uh, his head coach Jim Harbaugh just left for the LA Chargers, and it's unclear. Uh Currently, whether or not Minzer's going to stay in Ann Arbor, if he's going to join Harbaugh in L.A., or if he's going to pursue other opportunities. I'm Matt LaFleur, man. I'm getting on the phone with Jesse Minter's agent now. That's the guy I want.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to see him. Uh, and obviously, being a Michigan grad, it would be uh pretty nice to see And That defense was aggressive. That defense dictated to you. Now, yep. they had an advantage in talent against most of their opponents over the course of the year. Which is not as easy to get in the NFL, but, uh, I like the, the thought process behind that defense. And uh, I think Rashawn Gary would pretty much enjoy working with him again as well.
1: I think so too. Yeah. And, and it's just the thing is they were, they were, they're the national champions for a reason because that defense was nasty. The offense was pretty good, but that defense was nasty and the stats. Back it up, they prove it, and they, it's kind of crazy, Gil, it's like, look at where another outside candidate, where I don't think he's gonna be an NFL guy, but, uh, Jim Knowles at Ohio State, their rival. Yeah. Jim, uh, the Michigan and Ohio State had the two statistically best defenses in college football this year. So that, maybe that's something where Matt LaFleur gives a call to Columbus, you know, reaches out in Columbus, Ohio, and calls Jim Knowles about possibly being a D coordinator. Who knows? There's a lot of ways he can go. He's got to get it right. Another thing to note real quick, too, strength and conditioning coach Chris Gizzy, who is a former Packer player, also got fired by the team. Uh, the Packers notably have been dealing with a lot of injuries over the years, a lot of soft tissue injuries, specifically to Christian Watson and Eric Stokes, who are going to see hamstring specialists at the University of Wisconsin-Madison this offseason to figure out what's going on and how they can get better. Uh, Gil, this was, it was kind of surprising, but it kind of wasn't surprising that Gizzy was let go. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I think they just got to a point where they connected the dots a little bit. And whether or not it's Gizzy's fault, they're just looking for a new approach because, you know, these constant injuries, certainly, especially, you know, Aaron Jones had a hamstring. Christian Watson had what two two hamstrings uh, over the course of Air the year Stokes did too Yeah and Stokes did as well so you know they are they're looking at the results and saying something's got to give and uh they're looking in a new direction but I mean you know in addition to playing two seasons with the Packers Gizzy's been with them since uh, uh, you know he was the head guy for a few years uh and then he was an assistant for three or four years uh strength and conditioning coach before that so he's been with the Packers I think since 2014 Yeah, he's
1: been there a long time, so it's gonna be kinda weird for him to try to find a new home and try to find a new job in the NFL. Uh, hamstrings are so weird though, man. Soft tissue injuries, it's just, I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to anything. It's just, it's just a matter of like, Christian Watson kinda said it best where, with his hamstring injury, he has this injury because he's too fast. That's, and that's honestly, That's honestly a way to, to describe it. My, my brother was a track and field guy back in the day and he said there's just so many things. A hammy can go at any time and there's no rhyme or reason to it and it doesn't make sense. My sister-in-law is a P, is, uh, is in PT and she said the same thing too where you just, it's, there's no rhyme or reason. It just, there's no, you can strengthen it. You can exercise it as much as possible, but sometimes A hamstring goes, it doesn't go, it doesn't matter, it just, it it will happen. (laughs) So that's just the the mystery, the mystery of the hamstring. But uh, (laughs) moving on, though, so another guy who may look to get replaced coming up this season, this offseason, maybe in training camp, is Anders Carlson, the rookie kicker. He struggled again uh, on Saturday. He missed a critical field goal attempt in the fourth quarter of Saturday's playoff loss in Santa Clara. He missed at least one kick in each of his last five games this year, missed at least one kick in 10 of the last 12 games. He didn't miss a kick in his first five games, and the first six of seven games of the season of his rookie year. Uh, Gil, what what are your thoughts on Anders Carlson? What do the Packers do about this? How do, how do they proceed?
0: Well, look, I, I think they did the right thing in <laughs> signing somebody to compete with him, in this case, former Georgia kicker uh, Jack uh, Pudlesny. So, hopefully, the competition brings out the best in Carlson. Look, uh, I can't blame Carlson entirely. I think there were issues with the long snapper all season, and that certainly did not help the kicking game any, and whether or not uh Matt Orzek is back or not next year, that remains to be seen. I think we'll see competition for him as well, but... Look, Carlson has got to be more consistent. He's got the leg strength. He he. It's amazing, you know. He was better from fifty plus than he was from between forty and fifty. Yeah. And he was automatic from inside forty. So, yeah. uh, and yet extra points, not so good. So, I mean, yeah. The, the, it really was, I think, more mechanical and mental for him. And you know, getting a better long snapper might help. But at the end of the day, he has to be more consistent. He has to do his job. I think, you know, he will fight for that job in training camp. I know Rich Bisacci will work with his brother. Hopefully he can help uh Anders Carlson improve as well. But, uh you know, it, it, he was so frustrating because you could see the talent is there. Mm-hmm. And yet... It, it's the easy ones that he ended up struggling with more often than not. So, uh, you know, e- extra points. You know, you, you miss one, you miss two over the course of a season. Five, really? I mean, yeah. uh you know, that's just a little too much.
1: And, and you would have never thought going into the year that a rookie kicker would be the difference between you know, playing for an NFC championship and going home. And you figured this was going to be a year. Everyone youth movement, all in and everything like that. And it, it it came down to that where honors Carlson makes that kick. It's a totally different game. It's a totally different game against the Niners. Uh, going back to Georgia kicker, Jack Podlesny, Leslie, who the Packers signed two time national champion at Georgia, made 82% of his field goals as the primary kicker and 99% of his extra points in three years with the Bulldogs. Uh, With Carlson, though, he was 81.8% this season on field goals. That was 26th in the NFL, 87.2% on extra points. That was 32nd in the NFL amongst qualifying kickers. But if you look at the numbers, though, everyone was saying, oh, Mason Crosby should have been signed for the playoffs, should have came back for this situation. Anders clearly wasn't ready. But Mason Crosby, his first year, 79.5% on field goals. He was 100% on extra points, but that was before they moved the extra point back in the NFL. Crosby was under 80% on field goals in each of his first four years in the NFL. <laughs> he was 63.6% in his sixth season, and then he rattled off four straight years, making at least 81% of his field goals, and then seven of eight seasons connecting on at least 81% of his tries. So that, to me, is a look of and, – and, and people didn't call Mason Crosby a bad kicker, necessarily. No, Mason Crosby was a good kicker, and he's going to be in the Packer Hall of Fame one day. You look at Anders Carlson's numbers, and I just – I think – just looking at what Mason Crosby did early on in his career, Otters Carlson's kind of ahead of where Mason was.
0: Yeah, and just to take it a step further, you know, Mason Crosby was signed by the Giants this year, Mm -hmm. and he didn't do so well. And when he got into the one game, he did. He missed an extra point. He missed a couple of field goal tries. So, you know, for those of you that say that, you know, 40-year-old or 39-year-old Mason Crosby would have done a better job not so fast, necessarily. Uh, so I think, I think they made the right decision to go with the rookie this year and to live and die with the rookie. But look, now, next year, no more excuses. No more we're in rebuilding or retooling mode. We want to win now. And if you are not good enough, Anders Carlson, we will find somebody else who is. And I know it's a
1: sore spot right now with Anders Carlson with that Saturday game, with that big miss in the fourth quarter. But... Overall, the Packers upgrade a kicker from last year. They, yep. they truly, they truly did. Statistically, they did improve a kicker. Uh, obviously you want to see him be more ex- consistent on the extra points. I, uh, I do feel like a new long snapper is coming more than anything before Anders Carlson gets relieved of his duties. But, uh, Gil, what is your prediction for Anders Carlson for the future going into next year?
0: I, I think he'll be back. I think he will win the kicking job, uh, whether he lasts the whole season. Well, uh, he has to do better, obviously. Uh, But I am hoping and I am cautiously optimistic that he gets the job done. How about you? So with me, I think he's going to be the kicker next year for sure. But last year in
1: training camp, there wasn't really a competition with Anders Carlson. They were all in on Anders Carlson. You're going to see competition in training camp this year. You have to. You absolutely have to. Even Mason Crosby early in his career, there was competition with him as well uh, throughout his early years when in Green Bay, when he had numbers that weren't as prolific as Anders Carlson's numbers were this past season. He will be back as the kicker, but there will definitely be a legit competition, not someone just showing up just to fill a roster spot. Yeah. And that's the right thing. And, and lastly, uh, before we get, before we wrap up and everything, Jordan Love, his first year, 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions during the season, helped his team clinch a wild card berth, won a playoff game, did this without his all pro left tackle and a bunch of rookies and second year players and receiver and tight end in a year where it seemed like it was a rebuilding year in Title Town. And then we're looking back. It's like, man, we could have won the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Gil, what is your overall grade of Jordan Love in year one?
0: Uh, I, I have to give him an A minus. Uh, can't quite give him the A just because of the early season struggles. You know, you look at October where he went through a four or five game stretch, making some really bad decisions, throwing a few too many picks. Uh, if you go for the last eight games plus playoffs, it's an A plus. But, uh, for the overall season, A minus and, and I'll take that any day.
1: I would take, I would take it a step further. I'm gonna say he was an A. He was an A quality player. He proved, the whole thing going, the whole motive going into this year for Packer fans, a lot of people, probably the Packers front office too, is was to determine if Jordan Love could play or not. Kid can play. Oh, yeah. He can play. He's got room to improve, but he can play. He's the guy. I mean, he had numbers competing with MVP candidate Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. He was one of the best overall over the whole year, statistically one of the best quarterbacks in football this year, and he did it with a bunch of youth and not a lot of experience around him. He Uh is outstanding to me. I think he gets an A for sure. And then your very early prediction for the 2024 Packers.
0: Ah, boy, you know you're talking. You're right. Very, very early. We don't even know who who's going to be back, who the draft picks are. Uh, I'm going to say my early pick is they go 11 and six and win the division. How about you?
1: I think 12 and five. I think, and, and we'll see how the schedule plays out and everything like that. They have long road trips or long home stands, whatever it may be. Uh, I think David Bakhtiari is going to be gone, unfortunately, because Rasheed, and it's not really a discredit to David Bakhtiari, it's more of a credit to Rasheed Walker. He played very well at left tackle, and it's just a matter of, it, it's business. Business is business, and David Bakhtiari, he hasn't been able to play. He's owed a lot of money. I think he's moving on. I think Aaron Jones has to be back after the year he had and how important he proved to be the Packers' offense. But barring any catastrophic injuries, I this feels similar to, when the Packers lost to Arizona in Rogers' first year of the playoffs, and they took that team, they took that game to overtime. They lost fifty one to forty five in overtime after overcoming a twenty point deficit or whatever it was. Uh I think the Packers are gonna play in the NFC championship game next year. I truly I, do. I, I barring any catastrophic injuries, I think they are going to play for the NFC championship next year.
0: I think that's very, very possible. And uh, you know, it's to me, as of right now, and again, we are at the beginning of this process. Obviously, the the off season, but but the uh, the the Packers to me have got to be one of the three favorites to get there. Absolutely, and there there's not a lot of pending free agents. If you look on Twitter, Adam Schefter usually after
1: every playoff team gets eliminated, he'll literally have a list of key players who are free agents this year, and he'll put, list a bunch of players on each tweet. He didn't tweet one thing for the Packers because there's not a lot of big time free agents who may leave. We may see John Runyon Jr. walk out the door, but they have an answer at right guard, I believe, and Sean Ryan. Josiah DeGora, who knows, but they may, they could draft someone at that spot and they have a lot of quality tight end depth as well. Uh, Dave Bakhtiari, he may be gone, but I feel pretty good about the offensive tackle spot. Aaron Jones, I think he's back. AJ Dillon, unfortunately, I think he's moving on too. I don't think they're going to keep him around. He had a, he struggled a bit this year when the rumors floated around. They were trade for they were trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor. I think that sealed AJ Dillon's time in Green Bay for sure. But it, it, again, it's like after that Arizona game in 2009, I remember watching with my friends and I said, "We're winning the Super Bowl next year." And, <laughs> and I felt like and I felt like being in Santa Clara on Saturday watching the Packers walk off the field. I'm like, we're we're gonna we're gonna be at the NFC Championship next year. That's not Super Bowl, but we're gonna be at the NFC Championship next year. We're gonna be competing and we're gonna be right back in it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's very very possible. This team is on the upswing, and barring some real bad injuries or some regressions by some players, I, I think they will take that next step next year. And Gil, before we get to some trivia, what articles do you have uh, coming up online from Packers Post, Cheesehead TV, and Beyond? Well, uh, for the Packers post, uh, I took a look at the five biggest areas of need for this team as we start the offseason, and I also did uh, an article grading all 13 draft picks from 2023, one of the deepest drafts that the Packers have had in recent years. Uh, for Cheesehead, I, I took a look at the three moves that the team made within a week of the end of the offseason. Uh, changing the two coaches, uh, you know, and bringing in competition at kicker and just sort of look at the difference in attitude, how they're approaching this offseason as compared to how they approached last offseason. I think it's definitely a more aggressive
1: mindset going into this offseason for sure, Gil. And yeah, their, their cap relief is getting a little better, but I don't think there's a lot of cap room you know, essentially to help with outside free agents or anything like that. But You know, that's a topic for another podcast episode when we get closer to free agency and everything. But a lot of draft capital, a lot of talent already on this team. It's very promising. But Gil, you ready for some trivia? I am ready. All right. Well, with Saturday's loss in Santa Clara against the 49ers, Packers season, of course, sadly over. But it also means their draft position is locked in and set for this spring. Their first pick is slated to be 25th overall in the 2024 draft. Packers have picked 25th overall in the first round of the draft. Three times in their history. Gil, who was the most recent 25th overall pick by the Packers in the draft? And I'll give you a hint. This was during the Mike Sherman era as general manager.
0: The Mike Sherman era as general manager. He wasn't
1: general manager for very long, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard though to go back in the memory bank. (laughs) And I'll give you, I'll also tell you too, he was on the defensive side of the ball.
0: He was on the defensive side of the ball. He was, I got to go with a a disappointing pick overall, Ahmad Carroll.
1: You nailed it. Cornerback Ahmad Carroll from Arkansas. He was infamously picked 25th overall by the Packers in the 2004 draft. Rough NFL career. He registered three interceptions, three sacks. He appeared in 34 games for the Packers before the late Ted Thompson, released Carroll in October of 2006 during his third season with the team. Carroll then later signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars five days after the Packers cut him, played one game with the Jags, was released by Jacksonville in May of 20, 2007. He then signed with the New York Jets in July of 2008, appeared in 22 games with the Jets before his career ended after the 2009 season. Uh, notable players the Packers picked Carroll over was Western Michigan edge rusher Jason Babin. He was picked 27th overall by Houston. He had 64.5 career sacks. Uh, Ohio State corner Chris Gamble, he was picked by the Panthers 28th overall. He had... 27 career interceptions. He would have been an upgraded corner. Uh Auburn linebacker Carlos Dansby. He was 33rd overall by the Cardinals. 43 career sacks, 20 interceptions. Really versatile linebacker. Uh Boston College offensive guard Chris Snee, who is the son-in-law of Tom Coughlin, who coached the Giants to two Super Bowls. 34th overall by the Giants, one-time all-pro. And then Iowa safety Bob Sanders also was in that draft. 44th overall with the Colts. He was a two-time All-Pro before injuries ended his career kind of abruptly. Uh, other 25th overall picks in Packer history, defensive back Antoine Edwards was picked in 1999 out of Clemson. And then in 1967, the Packers selected quarterback Don Horn from yep. San Diego State. I do not know that name at all, Gil, but I, I don't think you were around in
0: 1967, were you? I, I, am too young to remember 1967, <laughs> but I have interviewed Don Horn.
1: So, uh. Oh, that's, wow, that is a small world. So, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So, hey, you interviewed one of the three Packer 25th overall first round draft picks in Packer history. And then also just wanted to note one more 25th pick, 25th overall pick by the Packers. Wide receiver Boyd Dollar. He's a future Super Bowl champion with the Packers with the Lombardi Pack. 25th overall pick by the Packers in the 1959 draft, but this is before the NFL expanded and merged with the AFL. He was a third-round pick technically by the Packers at 25th
0: overall. Yeah, and and you know, Dowler, you could make a solid argument for him to be in the Hall of Fame as well.
1: If Max McGee didn't have the game of his life hung over in Super Bowl 1, I think we would not know the name Max McGee. We would know the name Boyd Dollar a little better.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> and lastly, Gil, what's uh Championship Sunday coming up? Unfortunately, the Packers aren't in it. Ravens against the Chiefs, Niners against the Lions. What are your predictions?
0: <sighs> boy, oh boy. Uh, I'm going to go with the favorites. Uh, I am going to say it's going to be uh Ravens versus the Niners. I think the Ravens beat the Chiefs
1: 27-20. I think the Niners edged the Lions 24-23. I think there's, a, we're going to have a couple good games on Championship Sunday. Uh, Ravens-Niners rematch of the Super Bowl from what, 2013 or 2012? Uh, yeah. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. The Hardball Bowl. The Hardball Bowl. Yeah. Now it's going to be a little different, but should be a good game coming up on a uh, good couple games coming up on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, just wish the Packers were there.
0: Yeah. So close. So <laughs> close. And yeah. Yet- so far. Yep. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. We're going to be here all off season. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at GB Packershawn to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at gbpackershawn at gmail.com Make sure you subscribe to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!